As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Stephanie Bustin' Nass, Cole Castile, and the hymnist of hymns, in addition to U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and occasionally sportsman drag racing. I am joined by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. And if you are joining us live on Facebook, you can tell that Jed is not in Alabama. Jed, in fact, is in Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol Dragway, and may well be, this may be a first, not just in the history of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, but in the history of all podcasts in general, Jed is hosting a podcast while running the richest footbreak race in America, the Labor Day 250K Bristol Dragway. Big Jed, it seems like you should be doing other things. Oh, Luke, you know, we got a great team here in Bristol and everybody's taking care of things. Just told me go handle my podcast business. So um, missed last week's show, obviously, with trip to Arizona and didn't want to miss this week. We, we've been struggling with the schedule as a team trying to figure it out. But, man, we've got it figured out. I've got live drag racing over my left shoulder, which looks like my right shoulder on uh, on the show. So um, super excited to be here. It's really cool to, to have the, the foot brake racers in the background here and be at Bristol Live. And uh, certainly got a great show on tap, man. A lot of great things to talk about. That we do, but before that, like bring us up to speed. What's going on in Bristol? Oh, uh, we're actually uh, just got rolling pretty good with first round of our Thursday night gamblers race. We had test in tune from two to six, and we're now in first round of the gamblers. So the guys are out here, guys and gals out here duking it out for the three thousand dollar to win gamblers purse and uh, or gamblers winners purse, and it pays uh, third round win and beyond. So uh, win a couple of rounds, and they'll get their get to start getting their money back and it'll get more gooder every time they win but um good crowd here we've got a couple hundred cars tonight on thursday and you know hopefully that grows a little bit by the time the weekend's over yet another example of our dedication to you the listener come rain 
shine, sickness, or race promotion. We're here with another episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Big Jed, we've got a lot to cover. Let's jump right into it. So after the week that was, and obviously we've got a tremendous weekend on tap between the Labor Day 250K, the U.S. Nationals, the 40 Grand Nationals at Norwalk, on down the list. But let's talk a little bit about last weekend, because after last weekend, some of the NHRA points battles are becoming a little bit more clear. Let's start with Brad Burton. Brad Burton, bad Brad. Win and runner-up in Superstock at Acton, Montana. Added to that, a runner-up in Stock Eliminator, but from a championship standpoint, we're much more focused on Superstock. Those two finals for Burton, a huge shot in the arm for what were already strong title hopes. Now, both of those events were just five-round Superstock races, but still, those two finals run his season tally to five Superstock final rounds. In those five final rounds, he has three wins, two runner-ups. He sits at 553 points, which is currently 29 behind the leader, Monty Joe Bogan. But that's not an accurate picture of what's going on. Brad Burton gets full points at his next national event. So once he stages at his next national event, wherever that may be, he would currently take the points lead. Big Jed, what do you make of Brad Burton's domination of the state of Montana? Well, don't know much about drag racing in Montana, Luke, but I would imagine there were quite a few non-Montanians uh, in attendance and some great racers, and Brad obviously formed very well, like he always does. That's a that's a great outing at a critical time for Brad, obviously behind Monty Joe in points, um, but looking really good, as you mentioned, with the next national event. He will take the lead by staging for uh, elimination round number one, so Brad doing what Brad does. They don't call him bad Brad for no reason. Ultra talented guy. And, you know, for Monty Joe and any of the other contenders in for stock, this is not the guy that you that you want to see lurking or even taking the lead because the points battles, the the big events are coming Brad's way. They're they're about to migrate out west for the end of the year. And a lot of those tracks he's very familiar with, capable of getting to. Brad's sitting in a great, great spot in a very, very, very competitive category, Luke. So I think Brad's got to be feeling really good and the rest of the field's got to be feeling really nervous right now with what he's. I'll say this much. When Brad Burton went to bed Sunday night, he had to be feeling really good about his world championship hopes. Now, when he went to bed Monday night, he's still probably feeling pretty good about it, but not quite as good because that Division Three event in Bowling Green, Kentucky, reinforced the conclusion of that to into Monday. And one Tyler Kahili, he didn't walk away with the Wally, but he did the next best thing. Kahili had a heartbreaking 001 red light in the final round opposite Alan Wilson III. That's Kahili's fourth final of the season. He sits at 540 points. He's just 13 shy of Burton. And just like Brad Burton, Tyler Kahili gets full points at the next national event that he attends, which, oh, by the way, is tomorrow morning at Indy. Despite being 13 points back, Kahili, he's in similar position to Brad Burton. He's still got three divisional events to attend, where Burton has two, and he's bettering a first-round loss, Burton bettering a second. So when you take that into consideration, plus the current points differential, like they're in essentially the same position. And after last weekend, I think it's fair to say that those two appear to be the front runners. But again, the contenders and Superstock are many, 
and talented. We've been saying that this super stock chase is going to be fun for quite a while. But in addition to Brad Burton and Tyler Kahili, we mentioned Monty Joe Bogan. We mentioned, we haven't mentioned Kevin Helms, multi-time world champion, very much still in the mix. Reigning champ, Pete Dagnolo, still in the mix. The Werner brothers up in the Northeast, in the mix. And the list goes on. Superstock, going to be a ton of fun. But right now, it looks like Kahili and Burton have separated themselves from the pack at least a little bit. It does appear that way, Luke. But, you know, these, you're talking about some freaking legends in the sport that are still in contention, not where anybody wants to, to be seeing that kind of talent coming at you. But again, where Kahili is performing at a very high level and driving very well, I still, you know, when you think he's got three divisionals and uh, what was it, two nationals to go, um, where are they going to come from? You know, Kahili, where he's located in uh, the, the western part of Georgia, that's going to be a challenge for Tyler to find those events and still manage his business and live his life. And it's not something that he typically does is run around chasing that stuff. Obviously, he's in a spot that he's not always familiar with, and he's in a spot where he can win the championship with points to, to gain out there. So it could impact him and he could chase it. But I still feel great about where Brad Burton is sitting just in, a, in terms of what he has remaining and where those events are going to come from. Uh, Tyler has, has performed exceptionally well and put himself in a great spot. It's just going to be a challenge for him to get to those events. I had the same thoughts, Chad, and I hope I'm not overstepping. Like I'm going to go a little bit inside baseball here. Got a relationship with Tyler. He's actually building my son's junior drag extra motor. So I was like, hey, man, you got a real shot at this. Like, are you... Are you are you going to make a run at it? This was before Bowling Green. And the plan is in place. Like he's not necessarily committing, but he's got a path and he's willing to go west if the if the opportunity presents itself. Like and and with this latest final, I think he's very much in the mix and presumably all in. So it will be fun to watch. We mentioned no doubt. The Division Six doubleheader in Montana and how Brad Burton's performance there will almost certainly shake up the super stock points chase. Another shakeup that I don't know that anybody saw coming, Big Jet. <laughs> How about our main man, Cooper Chun? Cooper wins race one, Super Comp in Montana. That's on the heels of back-to-back runner-ups at the doubleheader divisional in Seattle and on the Northwest Nationals in which Cooper advanced to the semifinals. And suddenly, young Cooper Chun, 19-year-old Cooper Chun, is a legit national championship contender in the super comp category big jed we thought bob Locke's story a year ago was incredible because it was yes cooper chun and if you've been a podcast listener you you're familiar with the story cooper is 19 years old a year ago cooper chun was considered one of the best if not the best up and coming racer in the northwest one of the best in the country nine months ago he was in chemotherapy not completely certain that he would ever race again. He's back on the track within the last, what, three months? And it's immediately ascended toward the top of the Super Comp ranks. It's a long way from this coming to fruition, a, a national championship. But what an incredible story. Luke, uh, that is as good a description as you can put on it, but words can't describe how incredible this is. Uh, Cooper, obviously, with the, the health challenges that he's had, you know, it's every opportunity someone can take to just say, all right, I'm going to put my I'm going to put my fun, my passion, my hobby, my love aside, and I'm going to just focus on my health for someone to 
to just go straight up Bob Locke on them, continue to chase that passion and that dream and fight to get back on the racetrack while battling such a monster inside of your body is unbelievable. You know, I, I could only hope that that I would have the courage and um, ability to battle that internally while I still went out and performed. And Cooper, what he's doing on the racetrack, Luke, every time he goes, it's wind light after wind light. You know, this kid seems like all he's got to do is show up and the rest takes care of itself. Talent takes over and he gets it done. And I know he can't be the holest person he can be right now because of what is going on inside of his body and what has gone on inside of his body. So, you know, let's say he's operating on 70% internally and 100% externally. It's, it's truly remarkable what he is able to accomplish, what he has accomplished, and what he's putting himself in position to possibly accomplish. I mean, Bob Locke obviously was a story I, I had never heard one like it and never dreamed that I would hear another one like it. And now we're right here, not even 12 months removed, and we've got another one that's happening, possibly happening, that's as inspiring or more so than than that one. So truly incredible. Cooper got a late start on the year and he has made up for some lost time and you can't help but pull for him. Uh, no offense to anybody else in the super comp category, but if you're not pulling for this kid, go get your heart checked because this is a, an amazing opportunity and story. To be fair, Cooper's title aspirations, national title aspirations, still a bit of a long shot at this point. He is, he does currently sit 163 points back of Tanner Theobald. He's the current leader, but that's not really a clear, clear picture of Cooper's shot at this. Cooper Chun gets full points at two remaining national events, could still attend five more. I don't know that the schedule, the schedule definitely doesn't come to him in, in Washington state, right? But um, there, there are opportunities there if he hits the road. And on top of that, all those national events remaining, he's improving a first and second round loss at two remaining divisional events. And as we've talked about in weeks prior, while Tanner Theobald's score looks impressive because it is impressive, he's gone deep at every single event and he can't easily improve, right? So th there is improvement to be made by Tanner Theobald. He's probably still the leader. He's definitely still the leader. He's probably still the favorite. But if you're looking for someone to unseat him, Cooper Chun's got as good a shot as anybody, and what an incredible story that would be. Speaking of long shot super comp title contenders, another result from Montana that opened a few eyeballs, another guy that we talk about here quite a bit, Big Jed. Cooper Chun won the first super comp race. A guy by the name of Chris Whitfield won the second. What was Chris Whitfield doing in Montana? Speaking of long shots. <laughs> well, the answer to that is he was winning Super Comp in race two. He's winning race two. My understanding is that Chris Whitfield made that trip in an effort to secure the Division Five Super Comp Championship. He had some success early in the season. And obviously this win bolsters his chances to do just that. We'll see if it holds up. I believe Matt Driscoll, Chris Bishop lead the contenders as racers trying to knock Chris off that pedestal. What I don't know was necessarily on his radar going into Montana is a potential national championship. And Whitfield sits in a position kind of similar to Cooper Chun. Like he's a sneaky national title contender as well if he elects to pursue it. And I don't know that pursuing that is necessarily on his radar. I feel like Chris is, is locked in a little bit more on the big dollar bracket scene. But when you've been to multiple final rounds, 
with several events still on the table and what seems like a year where, I don't know, 600 points, maybe 620, looks like it could win the Super Comp Championship, the thought's got to cross his mind. It'll be interesting to see if he makes a run at it. Again, another guy you don't want lurking, another guy you don't want traveling and figuring out, you know, where he can gain points and hitting events that uh, that obviously offer him that opportunity, which are, you know, the, the right mix of nationals, divisionals and whatnot. Uh, Whitfield, again, long way from Denver to, to Montana, any part of Montana. So uh, us East Coast guys, we, we tend to think, oh, well, that wasn't too bad. He just rode a few hours and showed up in Montana. I would imagine that's, uh, you know, 14, 18 hour trip from Denver. I don't really know how far it is. So uh, obviously willing to do what he needs to do to put himself in contention, trying to secure the D5 Super Comp Championship and, you know, obviously uh, gains national points as well with uh, the race two win. So Whitfield, major contender, a guy that is, uh, if he takes his shot, he's going to be a factor. This is obviously getting very interesting and some major talent in the mix in Supercop, like it always is, Luke. But West Coast heavy, very West Coast heavy with opportunities to win. So, you know, the East Coast guys are about to run out of events that can make them a factor. So if somebody don't make a move here in the next race or two, it could be going to the West Coast for sure, no matter what. I got some East Coast representation for you because as as fascinating, as intriguing as the points chase is in Superstock and Super Comp, it's about to become wholly uninteresting in the top sportsman category. That's because one Brandon Miller, East Coast, East Coast bias. Brandon Miller was in yet another final over the weekend or technically Monday, I believe. Uh, at, that's when they made up the national event in Epping, New Hampshire. Miller fell short in that final, despite a pretty solid run. Uh, Brandon Miller was like 26 and dead on one. Like I'd take that in top sportsman. Uh, he got a lot of change. Nick Maloney laid down a seven total beside him in that final. But while he won lost the battle, uh, Brandon Miller has positioned himself really strongly to ultimately win the war. Uh, this was his fifth national, fifth final round of the season in NHRA top sportsman, uh, three wins, two runner ups, Runs his points total up north of 500 already. He still has one national event to claim full. I'm not ready to say it's over. I don't think Brandon Miller has quite reached lock status just yet, but he is for sure in the driver's seat in Top Sportsman. You're muted, Jed. My bad, Luke. I, uh, I think it's uh, very debatable, arguable that, uh, that Brandon has been the best performer in the Top Sportsman category. And you know, even the losses obviously look like making really solid runs. I think he's very in tune. His equipment's performing. He's obviously driving it very well. Brandon positioning him to do something special and, and win the world in uh, top sportsman. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, it's not over, but definitely if he continues to perform at this level and maybe blocks a potential lurker or two, That'll even be better for him or more gooder, if you will. And he's going to he's gonna put himself in position, do something extra, extra special. Luke, are you, you, getting, you getting this look? I mean, are you seeing it? Are, are, are the people online, you guys seeing this foot brake racing happening over my shoulder? I mean, this is where it's at. Babe. I'm loving this view. I know I'm kind of off-centered a little bit, but I'm trying to give everybody, you know, a look there over the shoulder. No, you got it going on. Like the sun has gotten in a position. I can actually see yeah. what's going on. A pair just left the starting line. I mean, it, it's it's on yeah. my hand bone back there. 
Are y'all hearing any of it or is my headset just not picking that up? No, nah, I'm getting the sights, but not necessarily the okay. sound. Okay, good enough. <laughs> so we've been we've been NHRA heavy to this point because last weekend was NHRA heavy. We're gonna we're gonna look ahead. We're gonna dive into a little bit of the big dollar bracket scene before we're out of here today. But before we do, there was so much NHRA competition last week. I thought it was worth just kind of hitting on some high notes that may not necessarily impact the the championship picture. How about John LaBoost Jr., Big Jed? He wins the Epping National event when it finally got done on Monday. Wins Super Comp there. That comes on the heels of back-to-back Super Gas wins at the Reading Divisional and the Epping Divisional. So, Little John, red hot. Now, in all of that, his best chance for a title sits in Super Comp. But just for, for, for the moment, let's focus on Super Gas just to put into perspective the season that Chairman Adcock Jr. is having. John LaBoost Jr., He's won his last two races in Supergas, and he's John LaBoost Jr., so it's not like he sucked leading up to that, right? Like, he's had a solid Supergas season up until the last two weeks, which have been phenomenal, uh, and that solid season includes a, another runner-up finish. John LaBoost Jr. has three divisional events remaining at which he can earn points. In order to surpass the total that Sherman Adcock has right now, keep in mind, John LaBoost Jr. hasn't lost a round of Supergas in weeks. In order to surpass the total that Sherman Adcock has right now, John LaBoost Jr. can lose one round the rest of the way, and it has to be a final. Wow, that is incredible. What a breakdown. I mean, that you know, you, you see a guy performing well, and you think, well, he's got to be giving himself a shot. You know, he's got to be putting himself in position to make a run at him. But he's got to, the rest of the way, he's got to basically be flawless. I mean, he, he can lose one round. It has to be a final. Sherman's in great spot. That's uh, simply put. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, little John could run the table and it won't be enough. Like he would be a round or two ahead of what Sherman's got right now. Sherman's got like four or five races. He's going to improve at some point. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to make his point total grow at some point. So that's a great point. He could go, he could go flawless the rest of the season for at least within the points uh, opportunities that he has and not catch him late. That's it. And he's, and he's driven well. He's driven very very well well up to that point. So just does put in perspective where Sherman's at and what kind of season he is. Similarly in Supergas, another, another story, another driver that we've been tracking, one Jesse Fritz. He showed up again. He rolled into Bowling Green. He went deep again in Bowling Green, made it to the quarterfinals. His batting average with that quarterfinal finish comes down significantly because he was nearly batting a thousand. But right now, if my if my numbers are correct, Big Jed, Jesse Fritz sits at 19 and two lifetime in super gas competition in four races. He has two wins and a quarterfinal again, just for perspective. Those are the first four events of Jesse Fritz's super gas career, two wins, a quarterfinal and I think a second or third round loss. If he could duplicate that impressive feat at his next four events. And keep in mind, if he would if he does that, he will have won four of his first eight super gas races ever. If he did that, he would be two rounds short of what Sherman Adcock has right now. And again, Sherman is likely to improve that score. Yeah, just truly remarkable. Again, what Sherman has accomplished, uh, Jesse driving so good and really off to a great start. You know, if this is a young man, that if he continues to to chase the super gas category or whatever category. I'm sure he'll add other categories to it at some point, but continues to chase that. He's going to get his share of, of big moments in the sport and possibly his share of championships in the sport. Really proud of that young man, talented guy, and uh, certainly, you know, gets to see 
he gets to participate in an epic season and what Sherman Adcock is doing. This will be a memory for him. And he's going to do that to, to some young man somewhere in the future, putting up results like that. So it, it'll be uh, it'll be very cool to watch Jesse continue to progress in this sport. Really, really fine young man. Great on the racetrack. I guess the overall point here is that if you are rooting against Sherman Adcock's third NH, unprecedented third NHRA Super Gas World Championship, and I don't really know anybody that roots against Sherman Adcock, but if you're rooting against Sherman Adcock, I guess it it, it could happen. I mean, Sherm would be the first to tell you it ain't over yet. But with all due respect to Jesse and John and everyone else in the Super Gas category, it's not likely. It's been over for a while. Justin Piccolo, Big Jed, he matched Labusa's feet. He won Superstock at both Reading and Epping. And I noticed in the rundown, Drag Race Central says Justin Piccolo resides in the state of Rhode Island. I don't see that very often. Are you prepared to say that Justin Piccolo is the most talented racer ever, the most successful racer ever from the state of Rhode Island? Uh, you know, Justin Piccolo is obviously driving very well, very well, but that's easy. The best racer from the state of Rhode Island, in my mind, is Manny Sousa. Manny not only holds best racer from Rhode Island as his title, he's the best Portuguese racer that has ever lived. So Manny holding a couple of those distinct titles and Justin Piccolo might catch him at some point, but he ain't there yet. Good point. Good. That's a, that's a great argument. I forgot all about Sammy Mosa hailing from the great state of Rhode Island. <laughs> Sammy Mosa, I like it. In Epping, Nick Willard, he won top sportsman at the divisional. He won top dragster at the national. 9,000th total in the final round of the national event. While his buddy Nick Maloney laid down seven total in the final of top sportsman. That's a memorable outing. Speaking of memorable outings, Jason Kenny, double runner up at the divisional in Epping. Runner up in super comp, runner up in super gas. He's another one that could well be in the mix for the super comp championship this season. Back on the west side of the country, Josh Dalrymple and Benji Martin appeared in two final rounds in Acton, Montana. Dalrymple in both super street finals, Martin in both top dragster finals. They were both denied both times back-to-back runner-ups in Montana, but I thought that that was worth noting. Also worth noting on that Monday in Bowling Green, I, it took a while, but it's it's coming to fruition, Big Jed. I said it in our bold predictions to start the year that 2023 would be a honey assance. <laughs> honey Wayne gets his first win on the redemption tour. He was the super comp winner at Bowling Green. Congrats to one Hunter Patton. Yeah, I don't definitely uh, don't want to diminish any of those great accomplishments from the list that you ran down there, Luke, because that's fantastic driving by a lot of great racers, but uh, Honey Wayne, definitely the story here, getting the 890 win at Bowling Green on a Monday, performed pretty well, uh, not quite where I've seen him race before, the the air that he's raced in before in terms of um, what his window looked like on the racetrack, um, but he's such a talented guy, you know, even when you're just a tad late, not trying to make it sound like he fell out of the car by any means because he didn't, but probably missed his target there in a round or two. But he knows that, that awareness that he has, and then the decision-making process that he goes through afterwards just shows how talented Honey Wayne is. I mean, Hunter Patton is is obviously one of the best to do it. He took his time away. He's back. He's performing well. And again, this is a guy that if he decides to do a whole bunch of this, they don't want to see that. They don't want Hunter over there in their in their pits at those races. They want him to go burn. 
bracket. Really, really impressive. He pulled off there, and I, I would expect much, much more coming out of that guy. We'll close our recap of the NHRA weekend once again in Bowling Green. And Jed, we have buried the lead. There is no doubt. <laughs> yes. We have buried the story of the week because the story of the week belongs to a W stock automatic get up truck. Did you know, Big Jed, <clears throat> that prior to the Division Three event in Bowling Green over the weekend, no W stock automatic entry had ever won a divisional or national event on the NHRA tour, not ever, never. Ellis Booth not only brought that record to a close at arguably the most competitive, most well-attended divisional event of the season, he didn't just win the damn race, Big Jed. He won the race before the race. They do an eight-car stock eliminator shootout on Friday or Saturday or whatever leading up to this. He won that too. In a 16-second get-up truck. Yeah, very, very cool. Obviously, I know Ellis Booth. I know him fairly well. He's participated in a lot of our footbreak events over the years. He's out of your home state, uh, the, I think the northern end of it, or a little farther north than you. So um, just, a, just a grassroots, hardcore kind of guy that, that gives it his all, you know, to the, the wherewithal and gumption to take a W stock automatic car to such a damn competitive race. I mean, that took kahunas. He takes the little Ford Ranger Ranger. He competes. He wins the shootout. He wins the main event. And Luke, not only did he win the main event, he won it over one of the baddest cats there is. Austin Richardson is no freaking joke. All those Richardson boys can race from the daddy to the youngest, which Austin happens to be. Uh, so much talent in that family, great equipment, and Austin is not a guy you want to see in the other lane, other lane, and Ellis Booth just took that and ran with it and got the win in the W Stock Automatic. I had no idea that that was the first W Stock Automatic win in a divisional. Luke, that's awesome. Uh, I was immediately thinking of the Pinto, but that was uh, U Stock, I believe, if I remember correctly. It was uh, on down the alphabet. That's a uh, shout yeah. <laughs> Derek Elam, right? Yeah, it was Derek Elam. I couldn't remember that. But yeah, Derek Elam, I think that was a yuck. So great for Ellis. That's really awesome. Obviously, he I saw him on the qualifying sheet at uh, Indy when I looked that over uh, just a few minutes ago. And I think they've run some class eliminations, but I just looked at round two of qualifying. He was number 128, which you know, Luke, is as many as they take. Right where he wanted to be. I know there's going to be some movement. I think there was 148 trying to get in. There's going to be some guys in that lower 20 trying to move. So, Ellis, get her on ice, brother, whatever you had to do. I hope you made it in. <laughs> Did you? I hope you got a shot at winning the big go because I know that nobody wants to see Ellis Booth in the opposite lane on the ladder facing them. That weight has to be unbearable. You don't race 16-second stockers in the other lane, especially when you are going 10 to 11 flat somewhere in there. You're waiting six seconds. It's It's got to be brutal. And I know nobody wants to see Ellis over there. So I'm looking forward to watching him compete. Ellis Booth dialed in the high 15 to low 16-second range, giving up 30, 40, 50, at times more mile per hour to seemingly every opponent that he runs and keep in mind in stock eliminator deep staging not allowed so he's hitting a spot that doesn't exist in the first place i mean it's just incredible and i've watched i i saw some some chatter online and i don't think i can argue with it jed that that this just kind of 
confirms or reaffirms the idea that Ellis Booth may very well be like the best super slow bracket racer ever. Like, I mean, you put like Steve Taylor in that, in that context, you know, and when we think back to our bracket racing days, like just doing a lot with a little, I watched Ellis drive to the final round of the division three bracket finals a few years ago in the sportsman category. And I forget what the, 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 the minimum dial is in sportsman, but he could outrun it by like a second. And where most people would worry about figuring out a way to do that in which you had mile an hour, Ellis just ran to the eighth mile and shut it off, lifted and was down 30 mile an hour from every opponent because like that's where he was most comfortable and he drove to the final i mean he's very very <laughs> good in what a lot of us would consider non-competitive equipment particularly at the finish line and obviously this speaks to that yeah great point you know and, and i look i don't know if you looked at his box score from bowling green and saw the difference in the dials his his high to low dial in range it was over a tenth i'm pretty sure maybe a tenth and a half. And I, obviously something like that moves around significantly in the weather when the weather's moving. But, you know, that adds so much degree of difficulty to it. And then you go out and drive it well and make the right decisions and do those things. Truly incredible performance by Ellis. And I was very happy to see it. Just for perspective, Jed, my Vega has not been dialed outside the range of 620 to 635 in a decade. Ellis Booth did that in three rounds. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That uh, puts it in perspective for sure. Like, it, was a, it was a light weekend on the bracket tour, Big, big Jed, as, as we prepare for what's not only going to be a busy Labor Day weekend, but a busy month. We'll, we'll dive a little bit into to what's coming. But one thing that did stand out to me, the, the, the door car, Mosier Engineering door car battle, I believe is what it's called in Terre Haute, Indiana. I'm sure you saw this, Big Jed. Steve Collier won it yet again off the bottom. He did that a year ago, won Sunday's event at, at that event a year ago, did it again this year, rolled through the no-box category, which, oh, by the way, he was runner-up in Saturday, wins the no-box category Sunday, falls into the main event, goes on to win that as well, $10,000 richer. I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's debatable at this point. Steve Collier has had the best season of any bottom ball racer in the country. Are you ready? Yet to call in, I might get you in a little bit of hot water here, Big Jed, but is it time yet to call Steve Collier the best bottom ball racer in the country? Well, Luke, I love Steve. I really do. And he definitely has performed extremely well in terms of, of races won, significant races won. Uh, nobody's, nobody's matched him. You know, obviously Taylor Bowling has had a great year. He won a 50K right here where we sit. And that guy does a little bit of both where Steve sticks to the bottom. So I think you still have to lean Steve's way in terms of the best bottom ball performer of the year. But somebody's going to win 100K here Saturday where I'm at, and it ain't going to be Steve Collier because he ain't here. So I, uh, I will see, you know, if that happens to be Taylor Bowling or happens to be somebody else that's had a really good year, you know, that could, and I'm not saying that because it's, I'm just saying it's, it's a very significant race on the, the schedule. So that could override it a little bit, but Steve Collier is going to still get to a lot of great races the rest of the year. The guy's incredible. He's, his attitude and his demeanor off of the racetrack is as good or better than his amazing performances on the racetrack. He's a stand-up quality guy with, with good morals. Love Steve Collier. 
and and I would love nothing more than for him to finish this season the way he's got it going right now and be sitting on top of the bottom bulb category for the year. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm quite ready to go there yet either, <laughs> but as short as a year ago, like it would have been absolute blasphemy. Like we would be a laughing stock to suggest any name outside of Nick Hastings and Lucas Walker. Like those two separated themselves from everybody else. And I do think it's fair to say that at this point, like Steve Collier's part of that conversation. And that speaks to not only what he's done this season, but what he's done in the last half decade. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's, he's, I mean, he's been a great racer for a long time. Obviously we're, we're talking in terms of 2023 and what he's accomplished, uh, but he's been one of the best. He's absolutely one of the best um, at the slot car racing. I mean, the guy wins. He's just a winner. And I, I just bring that up because whatever he puts his mind to and gets into and, and commits himself to, he gets great results. And he's been doing that for a long time on the racetrack. And I would expect uh, he's, not a, he's not an old guy by any means. We'd expect him to continue doing this for quite some time, Luke. As part of the the big go, which is underway as we record uh, this episode of the podcast, NHRA unveiled to some extent the 2024 national event schedule, and they they confirmed some things that have been rumored and perhaps created some more rumors along the way. What we know for sure is a return to Phoenix is official. It will be the third event of the 2024 season scheduled for April 5th to 7th. Brief, slight change in uh, in travel plans for 2024. It will follow Pomona next year, whereas last year it was Phoenix, then Pomona. Also, uh, rumored to, to be true at times, rumored to be off the table. NHRA is also returning to Joliet. That race is scheduled for May 17th through the 19th. Initially, when we went to Chicago back this spring, it was said that that was a one and done. Since the tone has changed a little bit on that, obviously confirmed they will be returning to the Chicago market and to Joliet, where there's some um, consternation, I guess, at this point. As part of the 21 race schedule, NHRA only released 19 event locations to to be determined locations on the 2024 schedule. Presumably, one is in Kansas City because they announced a couple of months ago that there would be a national event in Kansas City. But it is seems odd that that's not on the initial schedule. And then there is another date available that is traditionally the kickoff of the Western Swing. So there is more speculation there. Could there be one more rodeo at Vandermeer to kick off the Western Swing? Is Topeka still in the mix for either of those dates? Maybe possibly replacing Who knows, right? Or will those dates just go to an, a facility that is currently a national event track that will, for the first time, host a second one? Speculation reigns supreme. NHRA says, yeah, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. So your guess is as good as mine. You know, that. There seemed to be a lot of finality to Vandermeer and Topeka. You know, I know we talked about that at Houston as well, and that didn't didn't work out as it looked, and there was some extra racing there. Oh, no, Luke, uh, Phoenix coming back is obviously a great thing. I feel like there's going to be a, an added race at a, at a premier facility that's already uh, on the schedule, which kudos to them, kudos to NHRA for not just saying we have a lack of track, so we're going to cut our events down. They're looking for opportunities to go out and let the racers compete and certainly put on a great show for the fans. So I'm hopeful you would think that they would schedule that, you know, at maybe 
a Florida facility or a far west coast facility where your weather is as good in the first part of the year as it is in the last part of the year, vice versa. So um, I'm hopeful that that at least if that's happening, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity where they know the weather is going to be good, which typically going to be more in the California, Arizona uh, area than anywhere. But we'll see how that works out. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, that a new track is coming on or maybe even one of these tracks that's uh, that's supposed to be closing down is getting another shot. But for the most part, I would I'd be willing to to guess or bet a little bit that it's a it's a second race somewhere. Obviously, we've got a big weekend on tap. It is Labor Day weekend. Traditionally, some of the biggest races in the land. It is a holiday weekend, which means that seemingly every track in the country has got one of their biggest bracket events of the weekend. So a lot going on, a lot to talk about next week. The highlights of this weekend, the Norwalk 40 Grand Nationals, uh, great payout, great facility. Uh, I think the majority of your top ball bracket racers are converging on that, you know, as far as the marquee traveling crew where you're at, where we led the show, Big Jed, the Labor Day 250K. Is it, uh, does it do a disservice to your, to your market to, to pick them? Like can, as the race promoter, are you allowed to do a pick them? Can, can we pick the winner of the, of the big go? Um, we can pick it, but I can't pick it live. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I, I don't think I would, uh, would feel good about picking a winner just in case that person won. Nothing good can come. Not a good look. Not a good look. Well, I can pick a winner. I'm not associated. Oh, you can. Yeah, you can pick a winner for sure. You, you, you eliminated Steve Collier from the pool. You said he is not in attendance at Bristol Dragway this weekend. So obviously, I'll I'll look elsewhere. And as much as I want to go with the obvious picks, right? The Nick Hastings, the Lucas Walkers, the Charlie Lockhart's. Like you could. Uh, and I, and as much as I'm tempted to pick the state of Alabama, I assume my boy AD's there. You just said Mitchell Seymour did a good wheelie, right? Like Seth Lancaster. Alabama is normally a good place to go. I, I, I wouldn't do that just because you'd like it too much. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the Carolinas, Big Jet. I assume that Ernie Humes will be in attendance, and I'll roll with my man Ern. Excellent pick. Uh, Ernie will be here. And he's always a threat to win, as you know. A lot of the names you mentioned are threats to win. Um, you know, it's uh, it's obviously a very talented field. And, you know, I, I, at this point, I'm going to say every entry out there has an opportunity to win and could do it. And it'll be fun to see who gets the big one done. Certainly wouldn't surprise me at all, Luke, to get it done. Now, I will tell you, I should have told you before you pick, there's a racer in the pits that you are very, very familiar with, yet you haven't heard his name in quite some time. Okay, okay. But you would say, now I can tell you what, that guy can win. And I wouldn't bet against him. I would never bet against him. And that's Doyle K. Oh, I saw I saw Doyle. Looked like he eased out yeah. of retirement and won at the good time recently. Very right? first, very first time out. He built his engine in his car, put some new tires on it, went to the good time, got the win, which you know is a difficult place to win. You mentioned some guys that could win this one that race there every weekend. So um really, you know. Again, doesn't matter to me who wins. I'm not pulling for anyone, but it'd be a pretty darn cool story if Doyle K were to get this 100K win. And you and Doyle have faced off here in a in a pretty good final yourselves at uh, at a Coburg Racing Promotions event in the past years. It's like riding a bicycle. Okay, <laughs> I just be. jump back in there. Ain't nothing to it. it. Must be. I always sucked at riding a bike, so I guess that's true. 
So you're telling me that in addition to the names I mentioned, you get a resurgent Doyle K, and now you add David Bell to the roster of Team Alabama? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound fair, Big. It really don't. David's a Bear Creek, Alabama resident now, and uh, he's certainly a guy capable of winning anytime he goes, and you've seen plenty of him <laughs> over there in your part of the country too. So, yeah, Alabama's uh, pretty stout on the bottom bulb and the top bulb. That's why – Alabama's likely to win the world on the top bulb, but these bottom bulbers, they don't chase points quite as hard, the names you mentioned. So I don't know how many of those guys end up at the world finals, but Alabama's getting the top bulb champion or champion, excuse me. Just make sure no one forget about you calling that shot. Vic. Yeah, that's well, coming I'm up. Trying to, Is that I'm that's trying. in a couple of weeks, right? Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, uh, six weeks, okay. five, six weeks. I'll use the term Luke, couple loosely. Luke, I want to go back real quick to the other event you mentioned as you were talking about the Labor Day 250K and that's at Norwalk 40K Nationals. That is such a good race, man. What an awesome, I looked at that flyer, you know, it's at a legendary world-class facility. It pays extremely well. This is a great race. I'm looking forward to, to getting back to the show when we can and talking about those winners. I, I know that's uh, that place has to be wrapped up with talent, and it's going to be great to see who gets those wins. But um, the the uh, the folks there, the the Baders and the, the the Brain Trust at Norwalk coming up with that event when they did, which I think is a few years old now. Um, really, really incredible. That has to mean great great things up there for the the people that get to participate in it and i'm sure there's been some traveling too it's not the only historic facility loaded with talent on labor day weekend big jed let's pick it the big go class by class it's already underway at indianapolis the 74th edition of the nhra u.s nationals let's go class by class give me a winner in competition eliminator well, competition eliminator obviously is uh, the class that um, I don't follow extremely close, but I try to watch it when uh, my, you know, one of my guys is in it, and one of my guys is in it, Luke. I mean, uh, I'm I want to go David Rampy, just just force a habit, but Rambo has hung up the the driving suit and the gloves. But with our only opportunity in comp eliminator from the great state of Alabama. I got to pick my man, Bad Brad Pluward, in the buggy, two and a quarter mile an hour, swearing them out and leaving on the bottom. Yeah, I, he. they should hand him the trophy just for staging that day. I've said that before. I'll say Wasting everybody's time. I think, and you brought up a really good point. I, I'll just pick Rampy as like the honorary pick. Somehow, oh, another, I love it. Somehow or another, he's just going to roll in. David Rampy wins Indy, right? What is David Rampy doing these days? Do you have any idea? David Rampy is kind of watching after the the family farm back home in, uh, I guess, the Piedmont area of Alabama, which is kind of uh, east, northeast Alabama. And David, now he will get out from time to time, Luke. He'll stretch his uh, bracing suit back out and fit in it and get out to the good time sometimes and do a little racing. So uh, he, he does still on occasion, get out there and let go of the button and have some fun, so, which is a great thing for sure. Um, but for the most part, he's uh, he's just living a humble life like he always has, just at the family farm. I guess if I've got to pick an entrant from the actual entry list, I'll go with the hometown boy, number three in the world a year ago. Give me Greg Camplain. feel like he's due. Oh, good choice. Real good choice. That's a, that's a guy that certainly performs well in that category and 
you know, that'll be a big stage and one he's uh, not intimidated by. So Greg could be the guy. Really good pick. In the super stock category, there's a big part of me, Big Jed, that wants to pick Monty Joe Bogan, not because he's talented, not because I know we can win, just because we talked about the championship battle and we talked about Brad Burton and we talked about Tyler Keeley and Jed, I just like chaos. I, I'd like for Monty Joe to shoot right back up there and 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 make this super interesting with another win at Indy. But if I got to pick one, I'll go. The name is familiar, but given the class, this is a little bit out on a limb. I called it early in the year, Big Jed. 2023 is going to be a honey assance and everybody be talking about your boy Hunter Patton <laughs> if he can turn it loose on the bottom seven straight times and get his first NHRA national event win in super stock where he is entered at the big go. Yeah, obviously, you know, a, a young man capable of doing it in any style, form, or fashion. Hitting the bottom is not where he has lived, but he's Honey Wayne. He's Hunter Patton, man. He'll figure it out in just a few runs. I know he's done a little testing and probably figured out where the shims need to be and when they need to be in, when they need to be out. I think uh, Honey Wayne's a really solid pick. Obviously, Monty Joe would be a cool story, and it would certainly continue to to heat up the the super stock battle but luke obviously great picks great options for you but this is an easy choice i'm going bad brad sticking in alabama huh yeah i'm gonna stick to alabama i think bad brad you know leaving in the bottom leaving on the bottom in the comp car he's just gonna have a nice spot there and i think in super stock he's gonna be a guy that did get this done as well so i'm picking bad brad jed i've got i've got bad news what's that bud brad plored not entered in the super stock category, didn't he? You can, you know, you can only run two classes, right? Oh, okay. So he's yeah. not in super comp and stock eliminate. Okay. Well, in that case, I could pull up the entry list and see if there's any other Alabamians you, you could pick. Yeah. Um, you know, likely. So I'll just stick with Brad. That'd be fine. All right. Well, I'll give you the first pick in stock eliminator, but I have this, I have this feeling that you might steal my pick. Oh. Oh, stock eliminator. Okay. So um, I know I've looked over that list. I know Ellis Booth is trying to get in. I know my buddy Bones is trying to make it happen. He's got the the stocker up there doing his thing. Uh, Got Strick. You know, there's some Alabama talent in there, certainly. Um, Guys that used to live in Alabama, like Michael Brand. Certainly a lot of talent in the field, a lot of Alabama flavor, but I'm going to get outside of Alabama for this one, Luke. I'm going to the great state of Washington, and I'm going to choose bad Brad. You know, Brad was actually my pick. You stole it. I'll go elsewhere. That's fine. Brad, I'm sorry. A three-time Indy winner. One of, I I haven't done the research on this. He's won Indy in three different categories. Super comp, competition eliminator, stock eliminator. But every time Brad's won Indy, it's been in a car that like he hadn't sat in till a week prior. Always in borrowed rides. He's running stock eliminator and his stuff. There's no chance. That's a great point. Now, in all seriousness, uh, I'm super stock. I'm gonna pick anybody named him and and, and stock. Um, Bad Brad is a great choice. A um, lot of talent in that guy. He, he's very capable. He's obviously done indie a few times. Won indie a few times in different categories. The big moments don't bother him. So. I like, uh, I truly do like Brad where he's at right now in the field and uh, his opportunity to win the, the U.S. Nationals. So I'm going to stick with that pick, but I'll, I'll try to, I said I was going to the great state of Washington. I'm trying to, not to be so much of a homer in these next few categories. 
All right. Well, if you're going to Washington, I'll go ahead and claim Alabama. I was going to go with Brad Ford and stock, but I'll just go a little bit further west. I'll take Jeff Strickland. Keep it in your hand. <sighs> That's a great pick. All right. Great pick. Super comp. I guess I, it's my turn to go first, right? I was tempted. I looked through the entry list and I was tempted to say, Big Jed, there's nothing sweeter than a repeater. And you know who won this event a year ago? Who? Austin Williams. Really? So like, yeah, you know, I, I, I like that chance. And and full disclosure, we're recording after first round is in the books. A-Dub got the win in round one. So the, the chances are better. I looked a little further down the entry list, Big Jed, and I thought, you know, Sean Langdon is gunning for the rare, ultra rare, top fuel, super comp double. I don't know if that's been talked about much, but that that that's not been done. Got a shot. He won round one this morning. But Jed, there's only one place to go. It's Indy. It's super comp. And there is a man that has not only won super comp at Indy more than anyone. He's also like, I've just watched the quality of runs that he's been making. Well, truly for the last two decades, but specifically for the last six months in Supercomp, and he hasn't broke through. He's way overdue, and it's Indy, baby. Give me Stinnett to win it all day long. Obviously a very good choice. Uh, love that guy. He's a, he's a really cool dude, a legend in the sport, capable of winning Luke. I would love to see that. I would love to see Gary Stinnett get that done. So very solid pick on your part. I don't know who won first round in Super Comp. So I have pulled up my, my trusty iPhone here, and I was about to try to scour this thing. I'm just going to look at the ladder, and I'm going to go right here to this right side of it. And I'm going to tell you, the winter, the winner, oh, wow. How about our boy Todd Ewing has, this. has Stennett next up? The winner is going to come from that group. That oh, we're, we're calling it that second round matchup will determine the U.S. Nationals champ. My man, Todd Bones Ewing, is going to end Stennett's day. His hopes of the big go and Bones will collect the Wally at the U.S. Nationals. That would surprise no one that's been paying attention. Obviously, Bones, super talented. He knocked on the door doing this a year ago. I think he was a semifinalist at the big go. He's back for more. I think he'll be back till he wins it. I like the pick. I don't like the second round draw, but I, I, I'm going to stick with our theory. One of us will have a driver still in contention in round three, and that driver will have a very good shot of going the distance. Super gas, Big Jed. You've got your boy Sherman there. You've got Caboose. You've got a who's who of super gas competitors. Who's your pick? Big go. Luke, I've been watching um, like Netflix movies and things with my wife and, uh, you know, we've been watching some Hallmark stuff and I'm just, I'm all about a feel good story, right? I mean, the story just needs to feel good for me. And once it feels good, I embrace it. What better story would there be than my man, my pick, my pick, Sherman Adcock, getting the U.S. Nationals Wally and just totally although he's got it locked up already, just totally locking it up out of reach the world championship in super comp. I got to go with my man, Sherm. He's going to make it happen. He's going to make the dream come true this weekend at the U.S. National. Jed, neither one of us are thinking too far outside the box here. You are going with almost inevitably the 2023 NHRA national champion to win the super gas category. I'll take the 2022 
national champion. One Bob Locke after that tremendous, amazing, unforgettable run in 2022. He's had a relatively quiet 2023. That stops now. Bob Locke wins Indy, his hometown national event. Wow. With the one on the scoop. Just uh, another chapter to the tremendous story. Give me Bob lock top sportsman big jed i hadn't even looked all the way down the entry list i got like three spots down and i saw the man i want give me darian bosch <laughs> obviously a great pick bosch driving well always and, and a threat to win at all times i have no idea who's on the entry list for top sportsman luke but it, is brandon miller in there did he did he make the trip i don't believe he's entered i mean let me see if i got anybody from alabama anybody that i know from alabama you get close you've got tyler Cahilly's georgia you get oh i'll take tyler Cahilly. you get the mandels from tennessee i don't know that you got an alabamian yeah i'll take tyler Cahilly. okay that's a good pick easy, i like that easy pick easy pick and that leaves us with top dragster interestingly and i could have probably looked into this and i didn't i didn't do any research no, Blake Peevler. Blake Peevler, former national champion, very much in the hunt for this year's national championship, not entered in Indy. And then I pulled it up. He wasn't at Bowling Green either. So I don't know what the story is there, particularly as his father, Al, was, is at both events. So I'm not sure what the story is there, but we can eliminate Blake Peevler from the picking pool. Um, I went first in top sportsman. So you get you get the honors in TD. Yeah, so obviously I wasn't sure who was in this category. I looked at uh, some qualifying results and, you know, I tend to want to pick someone that's on the faster end of the the faster half of the field driving out of the front windshield. But then, you know, I'm trying to make sure that it's not somebody that's just out there going fast and having fun. I, Luke, I'm I'm going to the West Coast. Hello? Yeah, did I just say that? Yeah, I'm going to the West Coast. Ryan Gleghorn's downstairs. He didn't hear that. Um, I'm going Taylor Vetter. Taylor Vetter gets it done and wins the U.S. National. Well, either you're muted or or I just can't hear you. One of the two. How about now? That's much gooder. All right, a little microphone change. Hey, the West Coast got it done in Bowling Green. That was Thomas Bayer winning the divisional event last weekend. Oh. If you're right and the West Coast sweeps this swing, that's a story in any category, but specifically top dragster where they've only Agreed. got it. Uh, Taylor Vetter is a great pick. I will roll with. I, I'll go a little bit homer here, too. I, I'll keep it here in the Midwest. Give me JB Strasswag. JB, another one. He's had a quiet year. I think he's due. He's definitely capable. Got really good stuff. And I just, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm wrong because I, I don't really understand all of the dynamics of Top Dragster. But in my mind, a race that gets as spread out as Indy, I feel like the nitrous car is an advantage just from a dialability standpoint. And them Pro Charger guys, a lot of them, I just see them chasing the dialing all over the place. And when you spread this thing out over four days, I just think it's easier to make good runs in JB's nitrous car. Yeah, really good pick there. I agree wholeheartedly and certainly um, capable of getting it done. And all your reasoning even makes it more, makes them make more sense. More good, more sensical. Yeah, way more. More sensical or. I just realized this a couple hours prior to the podcast, Jed. Obviously, we, we wanted to, to make our big go predictions. But before we meet again, before we record this, the next episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, it's kind of snuck up on me. The Fuel Factory $100,000 All Star shootout at the Summer Fling Columbus, that'll be in the books by the time that we talk again. We've got to lock it in. We got to make the picks. Obviously, this is an all-star field from top to bottom. I won't read off every name in this list, but if you don't know all of them, you know most of them. 
everybody listening, this is a who's who of big dollar bracket racing. I'm going to throw it to you for the unenviable task of predicting, let's say, the racer and the team that ends up winning this event. Look, in my opinion, there's no way you could apply any logic to your your pick, your decision that didn't sound the same, like the same logic you'd use for any of the, the team. Uh, they're all very talented. They're all capable of getting it done. So this is going to have to, this pick is going to have to, it, it's a, it's a wing it from the word go, but I got to just put a little bit of, you know, my, my eyes to it. What I've seen happen, the, the, what I've, what I know the racers are capable of because I've looked at it very closely. And for that reason, I'm going to pick Donovan Williams and John Siegel. These are two guys, and again, all, all these all these teams are capable of what I'm about to say. These are two guys that can put any strategy that you need in place, and they've got great equipment, can make a time shot if they need to, can hold five or six if they feel like their guy's trying to, you know, set up for a stupid look. They're capable of doing all of that. They're talented, they're aggressive, and both of them just seem like, you know, they really just are there focused on winning, and I'm picking them. There's a, there's a lot of love from me for John Siegel. I mean, he's my boy, so I like that as well. There's probably some homerism in there, but I definitely think those two show the kind of talent that it takes to be able to win this and it'll give them a great opportunity to do so. It's a great pick. I mean, you probably could have made 24 picks, and I would say that's a great pick. I mean, there's there's, there's no there's no fodder in this field, certainly. When I looked at it, my initial thought was like, could I just go all in on Williams, just in general, right? They're, none of them are on the same team, but you got Donovan, <laughs> Gary, T-Dub, and, and they're all with amazing pairings, right? Gary's teamed up with Kenny Underwood. Uh, Troy Williams Jr. is teamed up with Lane Dickin, and you mentioned Donovan with John Siegel. If I can't have all of them, I don't want any of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to push that one aside. Peeves Pennington and Ray Ray really jumped out to me. I think that's 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 a pairing that I could absolutely see getting it done. But, Jed, I'm going to go – maybe it's a little bit out on a limb, like if that's such a thing in a race like this. My pick's actually going to be the last duo announced, the duo that, that got in kind of at the last second. And I feel like – Maybe there's a little chip on the shoulder there. Maybe there's a little um, less expectation. Chris Whitfield races with a chip on his shoulder, has at least for the last year, like with the Gleghorn thing, and he seems to thrive under it. And he has teamed up with the man that dominates that facility, has dominated this event for several years, has won the Jag Sports Nationals at this event. Like, I don't know that there's anybody perhaps short of Chris Bear that I trust more at Columbus, perhaps short of Jed Coughlin Jr. than Pete Dagnolo. You put Whitfield and Dagnolo together, not only, I'm going way out on a limb here, Big Jed, not only is my prediction that they win the team championship, my prediction is that they square off in the final. And I'll go a step further. They swap cars. Whitfield does a wheelie. Dagnolo is driving a dragster. Does he even know how to do that? And that's the final round. I think it'll be tremendous. It'll be unforgettable. And you heard it here first. Wow. What a pick. That uh, Obviously a great pick in terms of talent and ability and, and what those guys are capable of accomplishing. But certainly running each other in the final, that is calling the shot at the highest level, highest of levels. So um, be, it's going to be great to watch. It's going to be super. <laughs> he's, he's calling his shot. 
it's going to be uh, it's going to be super cool to see it. And man, if your prediction comes true, I mean, all the way to the to the last detail that you laid out, it'll be the greatest pick of all time. And nobody will ever duplicate it or even get close to match. So I'm pulling for you, bro. Well, that'd be a great story. You got to swing for the fences. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes you just do. Good stuff. That's going to be an awesome race. It really is. I can't wait. Yeah, I think we will all be locked in. That will be entertaining to say the least. Jedi, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? Is that it? Is that, the show? Is that all? Wow. Now, uh, I think that's it. I think that got us wrapped up, Luke. Um, really good show. A lot of great uh, discussion, great topics. Uh, there's uh, there's obviously a lot on the horizon with the, the, the summer fling at Columbus that we just discussed. You know, there's some big races coming up this fall, as there always is. So we're going to have a ton to talk about here in the next many weeks. But definitely looking forward to seeing how you and Jess compete in the, the all-star shootout. Uh, you know, those of us here on the show uh, outside of not trying to be too much of a homer and pick you guys, um, we're pulling for you. I know oh, that's going to be really. We're out. We, 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 we declined our invitation. Oh, what? I didn't yeah. even look at the. We're not going to, we're not going to make the trip to Columbus. So we'll be rooting on from home just like everybody else. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I hate to hear that. Uh, we're definitely, uh, definitely pulling for you, but. Um, I had no idea. We didn't have, we haven't discussed that. When did that uh, news happen? Man, it's it's been a while coming. Probably it's just a I called it a scheduling conflict. The last Midwest Junior Series race of the of the season is is next weekend, and that's in Lyons, Indiana. So like it's doable. And ten years ago, I would have raced Wednesday at the All Star Race, and then taken Gary to Lyons to race the Junior Race. I'll be honest, man, it just seems like too much. His first day of our homeschool co-op is Thursday, so and Jess is part of the teaching alliance on that. So she was out. So if I was gonna go, I was gonna go by myself. And it just didn't, it didn't all line up. You know what I mean? So there was a as much as I would love to be a part of that, as much as of an honor as it is to have been invited, it's just not a huge priority at this point. So I'm gonna be watching just like everybody else. And I'm going to be glued to it. It is going to be an awesome experience for everybody. And part of me is going to 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 really feel bad that I'm not a part of it. But like I say, time and place, it just feels like I'm in the right spot, and I'll be cheering on everybody that's there. Well, it's hard to argue against that. And what a what a great uh, great reason to to not accept the invitation and and go with Gary and have a great time at the at the series that you've committed to with him. So I commend you for doing the, the grown-up thing, the fatherly thing, and certainly for Jess doing the motherly thing. And I know you guys will have a great time. Certainly, I'm sure you want to compete on, on that level and, and battle those great racers. But when it's all said and done, you'll be right where you're supposed to be. So a great choice by you and Jess. I'm proud of you guys for making that choice. And if there's an all-star shootout again next year or the next or the next, you're always an all-star to us, Luke, so you'll always be picked. It's all good, brother. Just go to the next one. Appreciate that, Big Joe. That makes me feel yeah. more bitter. There you go. That's what I'm here for. All right, guys, that wraps us up. Hope you enjoyed watching. Hope you, if you're watching, if you're just listening on Friday, I hope you enjoyed us at least talking about what's over my left shoulder and this foot break action that's happening here at Bristol where I am. And, uh, and certainly uh, we appreciate you doing either uh, tuning in and watching live or listening either way. 
It was great having you on the show. If you want to comment on something you heard on the show, if you did comment here online, I saw quite a few comments tonight. Um, you want to want to say something? Uh, don't mind the public seeing. Just let us know right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. We're right there for you, and we'd love to hear from you anytime. If you don't want to make it public, just send us a, a private message, and producer Mark will snag it up, and he'll let us know what you had to say. Luke, is there shouts this week? I'm light on shouts this week. Shouts to you, Big Jed, for making this happen on a Thursday night and providing us with the visual awesome. mountains in the background, the foot break action at Bristol Dragway. Shouts to you and uh, best wishes, best of luck this weekend. We'll be tuned in watching the Labor Day 250K. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Certainly our great friends at JEGS uh, are providing a live feed. If anybody on here wants to tune in, we'll start tomorrow around noon, first round action. And it'll go the rest of the weekend until we wrap this thing up. 10000 tomorrow and 10000 Sunday and $100,000 to win one Saturday. It's going to be a great time foot breaking here on the mountain. We hope you tune in and watch us again, courtesy of our great friends at Jigs for the Motormania TV Live feed. Luke with the pointing out, he's just shouting out, he's doing it all. We appreciate that. And uh, certainly Luke and I are active. On the app, if you want to get with us there, add us. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Tuning out from here in Bristol and Luke in Southern Illinois. We appreciate you so much, listeners. And we can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more Sportsman Drag Race. Oh, it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.